Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we have an awesome Millennial Money chat with Matt Carney and an Ask Shauna question, what in the world are you supposed to do if you do not have access to a 401k at your work?
Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Gaines. It will expand your brain. So today's Ask Shauna question is a really good one because I think it's probably more the reality now than ever. And this was sent in from Angela and she says, hey, I love the podcast. I have a burning question. I just got a new job, yay for me, but it doesn't offer a 401k. Through my research, I've seen about 10 to 15% of my income should go to savings for retirement. Yes, this is my full-time job, so I have no 401k nor retirement savings. I've arbitrarily picked 12%. That comes to about $5,040 a year. Now, since I'm doing this alone, where is the best place to put this money? I've seen IRA, Roth IRA, but I really have no idea. Please, please help. Thanks, Angela. Angela, that is such a great question. Thank you so much for writing in. And, uh, you know, awesome for you, I think, for really thinking this through. You know, I'm not sure when I got my first job that I was thinking about, you know, what is the ideal amount of money that I should be saving for retirement? I'm not even sure that was, you know, really in my frame of mind. So I think it's so fantastic that you're taking this step in this initiative. And uh, I think that just shows, you know, that you take this seriously, which is great because if you start saving when you're younger, I mean, I just, I'm not going to lie to you. The the numbers, it's a numbers game and the numbers usually work out way more in your favor if you start saving, you know, a pretty good chunk of your take-home pay when you're in your 20s versus when you're in your 30s or your 40s or your 50s or later on. You know, it just takes a lot more money to get you to a place where, realistically, you can have a big sum of money that you can use for retirement, you know? And I know that word seems like something that is so amazingly far away and like in a, you know, a far other galaxy for you, especially if you're in your 20s. But the time debts go really fast, I promise you that. And, you know, the reality is that most of us are going to live probably into our hundreds. And, you know, if we stop working at like 65 or 70, that's like 30, 35 years plus that we're actually going to need cash to fund our life. And Social Security is just not going to cut it. You know, even if Social Security is still around, let's face it, the reality is it's not going to be as good as it was for our parents, for our grandparents. You know, we don't have these pension plans at work, which uh, maybe your parents might not have had, but certainly probably your grandparents had, that guaranteed a specific amount of money when you retired. And that's nice because no matter how long you lived, you knew you, knew you were going to get this amount of money. I mean, I think that's one of the fantastic benefits that teachers have. You know, you might not get paid a lot of money while you're in your working years, but you usually have some sort of retirement benefit that's equal to a large percentage of your salary for many, many, many years. And, you know, you don't have to like sweat as much as the rest of us, you know. But remember, everything's a balance here. So it's a balance of putting in retirement. It's a balance of having some fun. It's a balance of achieving all those goals. It's just a balance. And it really comes down to, you know, I was on a podcast uh, this week, uh, Satellite Sisters, and it was such a great conversation that we had. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, like what really was the light bulb moment that I shared was that this is about finding, you know, the lifestyle or version of lifestyle you want, and then bringing your cash along to meet that. And 
you know, I think when you think about it that way, it really changes things. But, you know, not having a 401k at work is certainly a downer. You know, it can put you behind the eight ball because you don't have access to matching funds or anything like that. But I don't want you to freak out about that, Angela, or anybody else listening who doesn't have a 401k because it's okay. You know, it's just going to be all right. So according to the Department of Labor, though, about 30% of working households don't have access to workplace retirement plans. That's a pretty large percentage, I think. And it just shows you that there's a trend where more and more companies are going towards not having, you know, a retirement plan. But I think with with no 401k at work, you know, opening an IRA gives you tax deductibility, which is a huge thumbs up. And you can contribute up to $5,500 for 2018 if you're under 50. So that's right in your sweet spot, Angela, for your savings. And, you know, anyone with what's called earned income. So uh, including those who do not work themselves, but have a working spouse. So you have to have a paycheck. You can open an IRA um, and you can contribute up to that $5,500 again, if you're under 50. And then the IRS adjusts the contribution limit usually (laughs) for inflation annually. Now it's taken them a while to bump up the numbers. So um, I think they're thinking there isn't inflation, but if you've gone to the grocery store lately or bought anything, you pretty much know uh, there's some inflation going on here, people, but that's the government. All right, I digress. So um, a Roth, it could be a good choice, but here's a couple of things. You don't get the tax deductibility right away. And you can only contribute to the Roth IRA if you make less than a certain amount of money each year. Now, they change these numbers each year. So for 2018, it's $135,000 if you're a single filer and $199,000 if you're a married couple filing jointly. That may seem like a large amount of money, but you know if you're in a high-earning career, you could get there very fast. And that just means that you can't put any more money into the Roth. It doesn't mean the Roth disappears. It just means whatever you've gotten there is going to keep growing, but you can't add to it unless you dipped back, you know, underneath those income limits. So the benefit of the Roth is that when you retire, you can take the money out without tax liability. Both are good choices. You know, the IRA will give you deductibility, which could be a nice perk while you're working. But again, it all depends on your goals and your income. There's really not a wrong choice. You know, you're you're putting effort behind saving money for retirement. You're consciously making this decision. So, you know, I don't think you can go wrong. You just have to figure out what's important to you now. Is the tax deductibility now important to you? Or if you're under those income restrictions, do you like the benefit of when you retire, you know, you pull the money out tax-free, but you don't get that tax deduction now? That's the Roth. So, you know, just figure out which one works better with your situation You can open a Roth or an IRA anywhere, Vanguard, Fidelity, Charles Schwab, etc. All of those online big brokerage houses or through, you know, a robo-advisor like Betterment or Wealthfront. There are so many different options. Again, it just comes down to what's important to you. I would also look at the fees associated with all these uh, different accounts. So what are you going to be paying for your different funds? What makes most sense for you? But again, Angela, like, I'm going to give you a huge high five for thinking this through, for taking action, because it's really easy to just say, my work doesn't have a 401k, so I'm just not going to do anything. And, you know, I think that that works for a few years that may work through your 20s. But 
you know, when you're rolling around to your 30s, your mid-30s, you know, you're inching up there on 40, like, you're going to want to start taking this retirement thing a little bit serious, even if it feels like it's so far away. You know, growing that chunk of change is really going to help you just have so many choices down the line. And to me, that's that's so the name of the game, right? Something's in the air tonight. The sky's alive with the burning light. You can mark my words, something's about to break. And I found myself in a bit of fight. And I felt your hand through the darkest night. Don't know where you're coming from, but you're coming soon. To a cure for Morgan. Wave California All in this I've ever known or seen. So this week we have a very special guest on the show that I know you've been wanting to interview for quite some time now. Yeah, I mean, every week there are special guests. But yeah, I've actually uh, really been wanting to interview our current guest, and we just got a little taste of, of his music there. Uh, Matt Carney joined me last week for an awesome conversation. I want to say it's an interview, but we just kind of we just kind of hung out and, and talked and stuff. But do you remember uh, in season three of Grey's Anatomy? We always remember this, right? Uh, that McDreamy uh, chooses Meredith. Um, well, that was the first time Matt had a song on a TV show. All, all I need. I uh, was playing in the background there, and since then he has exploded on television. Um, you know, a few examples of One Tree Hill when Haley and Nathan. You remember uh, One Tree Hill, right? I remember of okay, One Tree on, Hill. Don't. I did not watch it. Well, but they, when they said they love you, I guess the one scene uh, his won't back down was playing, and then uh, Thirty Rock. When Tina Fey dumps Matt Damon's pilot character as Alec Baldwin starts talking to his wife, uh, his character Jack starts talking to his wife. All you need is being played by like a homeless guy or something like that when there is a wacky scene. And that, that's funny. So but but so Matt has really kind of, you know, ingrained himself into, into the TV world. He's been in tons of movies, been on, you know, TV shows over the last 10 years or so. Parenthood, uh, Friday Night Lights uh, and so many other shows. And, and for a guy that has you know, has so much um, songs out there and, and, you know, he's, he's a multi-platinum selling singer songwriter. He almost didn't discover that he actually had a voice and can play music, can write music when he was, uh, you know, going to Chico State. Um, So he, right now he has a pretty awesome resume for someone who that late in life discovered that he could actually sing and, and, um, write songs but he he really is you know he blends soulfully hip-hop infused you know singer songwriter style into his music uh his 2011 album um young love debuted at number one on the billboard uh, digital charts uh i actually discovered I, I mentioned this in the interview that i actually discovered him at a church i was going to and we went to as well too they had his music in in the se- in uh, the music section they also had a pretty good section there but um his music is, you know, he's appeared on the Today Show, uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live, the Tonight Show. Like I said, he's a multi-platinum selling singer-songwriter, uh, and all this. And he almost didn't discover that he could actually, you know, sing. And and he tells this really interesting story as well, too. And we all could probably totally relate to this. So he's playing. He lives in Nashville now. Uh, he's from Oregon, um, but he. Worked at Starbucks like everybody does to, to you know, kind of, you know, make some money as well. But he is playing at the Ryman Auditorium, which is the mother church in, in Nashville. 
a, a great auditorium. And uh, he worked at the Starbucks that actually faced the Ryman. And he would he would look at that and see when people going in there, it's like, oh, man, someday maybe I could actually do this. And so I think that he has just a totally interesting story, and he happens to be a cool dude. Yeah, and I love stories about that because I think it, it shows us that it's never too late for you to discover a new talent or to try something new or if, you know, you have this burning passion that's always been in you and everybody's told you, you know, this is such a crazy idea. Why not, like, take a risk and see what could happen? I mean... He might still be working at Starbucks, you know, if he didn't take this risk. And now he has this really cool story and, you know, so much success. Yeah. And, and, and it really was, you know, a risk where a friend said, hey, if you help me come out to Nashville, I'll help you record a record. And he's like, all right, boom, I'm done. I, I got to go. And told his family, I'm, I'm you know, I'm out of here. I'm headed to Nashville. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really great story. And now... Matt uh, Carney actually has a new self-titled EP out right now. It is... Um, the beginnings of an album that we'll see later in 2017. He recorded this. Uh, it was produced by the electronic producer uh, Afshin, who actually uh, appears on his uh, his latest uh, video too, which we will have a link to his video uh, better than it used to be. Uh, we'll have the link to that. It's a really cool video um, shot actually in, in Nashville. I really like the video a lot. Uh, but the rest of the album will be coming out in 2018. Not 2017, right? Not 2017. We already did 2017. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully we don't do 2017 (laughs) again. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be out later in 2018. Um, Matt mentions actually the process of how it actually will be coming out. Kind of, They're going to kind of be trickling it out, so they don't have any release dates there. But he has four songs out right now on an EP. We're going to feature one of those new songs. at the end of this episode too, but we're, we're going to, uh, you know, sh- showcase a few of his other songs too. You, you know, his songs, you probably love them a lot. Um, but he also just kicked off a brand new tour, um, that just kicked off, uh, this past weekend. Uh, so he's on the road right now. He is all around the country. So, uh, you know, check out Matt Carney if you, uh, are a big fan of his. All right, so I am excited to to dive into this interview. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, you know, like I said, Matt and I just hung out, talked about you know so many things about you know opening for John Mayer and how that was like a, at Madison Square Garden, how that was a life you know a career changer. How or he talked about his new EP and his new record, and of course, this past year he became a dad for the first time with his wife, and so we're going to talk about that. Awesome, Matt. Well, thanks so much for joining us uh, on the on the show. We totally appreciate it. And you guys are in the middle of rehearsing right now for your upcoming tour, right? Yes, I'm from Soundcheck in Nashville, Tennessee, which is an awesome place with all these bands rehearsing and everyone's got lockers. And it's like a weird place, like no other place on earth. <laughs> it's like a big musical day camp, exactly. Um, so I really, I really love that. Really lo- really more like. More like- more like musical daycare, probably. It's like <laughs> just like strange, like touring, like bands and all the assorted like pirates that kind of come with touring <laughs> bands. You know, there's just like this unique, uh, beautiful swath of humanity here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, I, you know, I really love. I'm, I'm so glad you're on the show. I'm a big fan. Uh, I really love the evolution of of you as an artist and a singer songwriter. And uh, I actually discovered your first album, nothing left to lose uh, in the music section of my church a few years ago. Then I got into your music. And, um, but when you were playing soccer at Chico state, you were a soccer player at Chico state. 
were you into music then? And when did you have that aha moment that you knew you kind of want to give music a, a shot at a career? Well, I didn't grow up doing music, so I was kind of uh, way behind the eight ball in that regard. I, I, my roommate had an acoustic guitar, and I stole his guitar and started writing. You know, just like you learn a few chords and you learn like a Dave Matthews cover, uh, like a John Mayer song. And uh, yeah, I felt I, it was so hard to like learn people's songs. I just, I would just make up my own song. So I knew a few chords and I'd write a song and people really responded to it. I was like, wow, this is cool. Uh, I enjoy doing this. So I started playing the coffee shops, you know, just the three or four songs I knew and actually recorded some. And then it, everyone loved it and wanted more of the record that I'd made. And so, I just thought, man, this is interesting. People really like what I'm doing, and I really like it. And I uh, met a buddy who was who said, "Hey, if you help me drive to Nashville, I'll record you, and we can like put out a real like kind of first EP." So I helped him drive across the country. We recorded some songs, and I was so I just fell so in love with writing music that I just I called home, called my school, I'm like, "Sorry, I'm not coming back." And that kind of started the whole journey. It was never a career, it was just something I just literally loved doing so much. Right. And they 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 made you join the circus if you will. Yeah. Yeah, it took a little while. I worked at Starbucks and I was a server at like a banquet hall and then eventually, yeah, like I I I got together enough money to make our own independent record and that really is the bulk of nothing left to lose it was just the recordings we did on our own well you've been one of those artists that have really helped create this cool uh, singer songwriter hip-hop style of music um what music were you actually growing up uh listening to in in oregon that you know that kind of really uh influenced your music today well listen i did i grew up i grew up as kind of like a skater kid in eugene and listened to a ton of hip-hop Stuff like Tribe Called Quest and De La Soul and um, The Far Side and all these like kind of hipster like hip hop bands. But I also growing up in Eugene, you know, there's like you can't escape James Taylor and the Paul Simon and like kind of like the hippie <laughs> influence Bob Dylan yeah. thing. You know, so kind of the, the my musical taste was a blend of those, which was like singer songwriter records and then like skater hip-hop music right right well did, did you always know that you could actually sing though uh i couldn't always sing. actually you know singing is like anything i i when i first started i um had these really simple melodies i could kind of sing a little bit and uh just messing around and people really responded to my voice and they're like, wow, I really like your voice. I'm like, well, I'm really not that good of a singer. And I technically wasn't that good, but people, I think people liked the sound of my voice or, you know, there's kind of the God given resonance of your voice. That is just your nose and your mouth and your, you know, that's just God given and, and people liked it. And so I, I kept learning how to sing and start taking voice lessons and like actually was recording as I was doing this. So was kind of building the ship as I was going, I was learning how to sing and, um, yeah, it was not your normal kind of musician journey. Yeah, well, I, th- I think that's what you, you, you hit it right there. I think people are drawn to your voice. You have a really cool, you know, unique, unique voice. Um, you know, it's one of the things that drew me to it. But I also think it's interesting, too, that, that I, I heard that you described your last album. Uh, if Paul Simon and Kanye West were making an album, that's what it would have sounded like. Do you have uh, like a description of, of your music today? 
Uh, I mean, is there a way you kind of describe it? Um, you mean like the new stuff I'm doing? Yeah. I mean, in the last record was was. That was the goal. I'm not saying if Paul Simon is funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that was the goal. You know, that was the goal. Um, this new stuff was interesting. It was kind of like a reference to my second record, which was City Black and White. And it was a more singer-songwriter driven record. But I was listening to a lot of like Tropical House and like chill EDM stuff. And I was just really inspired by like, I was like, what would be the organic take on this? And so we started like writing and I started in my, by myself in the studio, just like working on things and like, what would like, what kind of like drops would you put in a weird, like acoustic singer songwriter record? And that kind of started the journey of this new stuff. That's like a weird hybrid, like organic meets like chilled out tropical house, I guess is some of it. Well, uh, we're, and you know, going back to, to your college days, uh, were you actually, uh, what was your path before you, you became a singer songwriter? You were a soccer player and stuff like that, right? Yeah. I mean, I was a soccer player and not music at all. Like I was like kind of the punk kid that was getting in trouble doing graffiti stuff back then. I don't know why I was into that, but it was like painting on trains. It was just really interesting. Like the pre- I was in, I was into art. So it was like anything pottery, uh, photography, painting, you know, I, that was like the circle I ran in, but I was also like a soccer player. Um, and so anything creative and, and when we would like be driving around, we would start like freestyling to instrumentals just for fun. Mm -hmm. And then I started taking it seriously and I started writing these more like journal-esque stuff, but I wasn't really a musician, but I was writing a lot to it. And, um, yeah, that that was kind of the the foundation to me actually getting into music. Do you actually follow uh, Major League Soccer, international soccer today and stuff? I do. I mean, I I love. We just got an uh, MLS team in Nashville. We're on the path to get an MLS team in Nashville. Yeah. I don't follow it super closely, but um, I sort of love it. And and um, didn't play forever. Like I played so much from when I was four till I was like twenty something, and didn't play for like forever i think i got burnt out i was like but played it too much and then just started pick, playing it again a few years ago and it's been like i love it right when well, also I, I yeah i heard about the the nashville team too that that's coming i think it's coming like later this year or whatever and stuff but uh, i mean nashville's really kind of turning into a, a good sports city yeah man it's like it's just really the town's exploding and, and there's there's a lot of young kind of entrepreneurial mm. uh people moving to town it's growing rapidly. You know, we're getting the condo boom that like Portland or Austin went through and, and there's growing pains with that, but it's, yeah, it's just cool, man. All these restaurants and really cool coffee shops. And I remember when, when I first moved to town, it was like, there were like two coffee shops everyone hung out at. Now there's like, you know, we're getting all these cool roasters from other cities opening up co- coffee shops here. Yeah, yeah. No, Nashville is, is absolutely one of my favorite cities uh, uh, these days. Exactly. Um, well, I really, I really love the story that you told. Uh, I just recently saw an interview with you. You talk about earlier in your career, you're opening for John Mayer at uh, Madison Square Garden, and how you really had to kind of work at at the audience because you were the opening act and stuff. And and that was a real turning point in your career. Could you share a little bit about that story and how that experience kind of directly moved your career a little bit? forward as an artist it kind of gave you the confidence well it was it was you know twofold one was just it was a great opportunity and it was on the continuum tour which was like an iconic record and um john was kind enough to like bring us out and 
you know, it's kind of like a, like he blessed us, you know, in front of his audience, like, which went, went a long way. Still today, people say, oh, I saw you back on the John Mayer tour. They became fans. So that was huge. That was a huge opportunity for me. It also, yeah, like I was growing as a performer um, and we played Madison Square Garden, I remember, and we walked out and New York is always historically a really hard crowd. And it's like, you walk out past these, like the backstage are these like 10 foot posters of John Lennon and Bob Dylan and U2 and just like the most epic rock stars. And you're like, okay, go play a show, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> and we got out there and it, and we got out there and it was a like challenging and I'm like, okay, New York crowd, this is going to be tough. And we just like dug in and kept playing with our heart, you know, just as, as full as we could and with as much heart as we could. And by the end of the show, we got like a standing ovation. And I remember being like, wow, man, if we can, if we can pull it off in front of John Mayer's crowd. Cause they know better in New York, like, this maybe has legs like this is going to go somewhere. Maybe I shouldn't go back to Starbucks, you know? I'm sorry, but I have the best dog ever. Her name is Winnie Stardust. She is a mini golden mountain doodle full of life. And I would do just about anything to keep her happy, healthy, and safe. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA pet health insurance program. Your pet is part of your family and you want to do the best for them. But vet bills can really add up. We jokingly keep telling Winnie she needs to get a job to pay for her vet bill. That's why you should check out pet insurance. And with ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customized accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping to ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you are least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim, and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independent American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer, is not engaged in the business of insurance. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? 
Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And now listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. We'll probably, probably never go back to Starbucks, but yeah, exactly. I mean, um, you know, but that, but did that really sort of you know give you the confidence? Oh yeah, and we, and we can do this, and we can go there, and you know, and you can kind of create your own music as well. Yeah, I mean, at that point, I had I had already written nothing left to lose, so I was, I felt pretty good about my 
my like writing and studio game. Like I was like, I knew that I could write a song, but the performing thing was, you know, you're like learning as you go. And there's only, you know, he was like going to school every day with John and his band. Um, and you know, I was, it was like the first major tour. I'd probably been on a tour before that, maybe two in my life. So, uh, yeah, I was just like learning like, man, this is like, these guys are good and we're kind of hanging. We're not hanging with them, but we're not like, we don't look like total fools. So <laughs> that's a good sign, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exa- exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think one of the reasons, you know, one of the, the places that people really know you a lot, uh, you know, your music has been featured in so many TV shows, you know, like 30 rock, Grey's Anatomy, Parenthood. Uh, the first time you ever heard one of your songs on TV, was that another turning point of like, okay, uh, here, here we go. Yeah. I mean, my, my, my manager at the time, we, Grey's Anatomy was like huge when I first started, still a big show, but it was like, you know, really big. It was like the biggest show on TV pre net Netflix, <laughs> right. you know, so everybody was still watching network TV and, uh, there was a season premiere and they used one of my songs, which we actually are just working up a version for this tour. I haven't played it in a few tours, so I'm pretty excited to bring it back out. But they, they played this kind of ballad song in the season finale. And my manager was genius enough. Like usually there's a pretty good payday with that back in the day. You got a big check if they featured your song. Mm-hmm. And he went in and negotiated. Uh, he's like, Hey, we don't just don't pay us. Put an album Chiron after the thing. So the season is this epic, uh, like this epic scene. Someone died or something. Someone gets off the ground and then it went to credits. And our song went out into credits and then they showed a picture. The first thing they showed was like music by Matt Carney. And um, it was, yeah, it was a big moment. You could feel it. You could feel that we picked up a lot of fans with that. What, what, what song was that one? It was called All I Need. Okay, yeah. Big ballad. Sure. That, that got super epic at the end. Right, right. Well, and you, you mentioned, too, before, you, you, know, you, have, you have an EP out right now of, of like, four or five songs, uh, and you're in the middle of rehearsing for your new tour coming up. Now, that's, is that EP going to be part of a new album coming out later this year? Yeah, so this is, like, the slow rollout of the record. So it's kind of, we're, like, delivering as an EP, and then we're delivering songs, and we're kind of... You know, it's like a new model these days. Like dropping an album is cool, but your street week is only like a week long. And mm-hmm. I think people's attention span is so short that we're like, hey, check out this EP. Mm-hmm. And then there's more coming. And it's like, it's like episode, it's like episodal almost. Is that the word? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it works. You no, know, where you're like, episodal, episodal. <laughs> I don't know what the word is, but you, but you're releasing them as you go. And I think people, that's kind of how people, um, experience music now like it's hard to get even myself i can't remember last time i sat down with no whole record it's like it's definitely kind of like the 50s a little bit in a sense of it's more single driven um so this is kind of a way to just do something different to release music and we're actually going to be releasing songs as the tour is going which um is something new for me and i was just like let's 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 try it right i'm not that's that's like interesting uh, interesting way too. And I, yeah, I think that is what artists are, are doing more these days too. And I was actually just talking to a, a younger band. I think they've only had two albums out, and uh, and 
do you think albums are actually going to go away at one point or are you think we still going to, they're still going to be around? I think they're still around. I just think what it means is different. I think, I don't think it's like this 10, you know, like the album comes from this historic, it was like the length of a record you could put on a record. You'd have a side and B side. You'd have, you had a, I can't remember the amount of time you had, but it was like an hour or something or 47 minutes or something. You could actually have music you could put. So they jam and that would work out to be, you know, eight songs, 10 songs, 11 songs, something, whatever, however long the songs were. So like the kind of historic album concept comes from a record, which is kind of antiquated and old, you know, like now you can do whatever you want. So I think people are challenging what that looks like. So if that's, you know, like BDM world is really challenging. They're releasing songs and then when they get 10, okay, we're calling this an album now. Um, whereas like even Coldplay and bands like that, they're releasing EPs. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I think, I think we're going to see, or you're, if you're Drake, you just drop like 20 <laughs> songs at once, like right. four times a year, you know, <laughs> just like you put out a hundred songs in a year. So I think, I think that the model, it, it definitely like encourages, constant engagement with fans and i think that's fun for me you know it's like it's not this like i'm gonna go away for three years and work on one thing and then by the time it gets to you it'll be six months old now it's like you can i mean there's a song on my record that i wrote and i finished and it was out two weeks later right before the new year and i think more of those things will be happening of just what feels organic like i oh, i want to share the song with you and i think people are open to that now yeah, well, and, 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 you know, one of the things that I think is interesting about you, too, uh, in the last year, you and your wife have become parents. Uh, has fatherhood changed in your songwriting as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's more efficient. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not, like, I'm not as, like, staying up all night writing songs as much. Um, it's interesting. It's kind of like, I've never been, like, a morning person, uh, and it's, interesting how as a creative you kind of build this thing in your brain of like this is when i get creative this is when i like start hitting my stride and having that shaken up is really cool because it's like i found the mornings to be incredibly creative and it's like no one's around it's like something about the morning that feels like anything's possible you know you're like it's like a new mercy in the morning man you can just like this is a new day and like i wonder what i'm going to discover today and that's kind of I've enjoyed that creatively like it's a different thing that I'm used to well now you, you mentioned too as well you're you're in the middle of a rehearsal for the, your new tour coming up that starts uh, next week uh, or this weekend right starts yeah on Sunday yes. in Spokane yeah we're, we're gonna come check you out in in LA when you guys are here at the at the Wiltern I believe uh but uh you're yeah. gonna be you're gonna be playing a hometown show in uh, in Eugene how is it how is it going back uh, to, to, to your hometown and playing shows like that. And, and when you go there, do you, are you like, I can't believe I'm actually here. You know, it's awesome. Actually. It's, it's like a little more nerve wracking sometimes because it's like, you like, you're doing your best rock star pose. You know, you're like, you got your moves down and you look up and there's your third grade teacher in the front <laughs> row, like staring at you and you're like, <laughs> you feel like you're fooling everybody. Uh, it's, it is it is funny when you when you know someone at every eye line in the crowd you know it's like it, it's a but it I don't Eugene is such a cool town and everyone's so gracious and like it's fun seeing like the high school kids from South Eugene show up that 
you know, are like fans now, you know, they're like, oh man, they're like just discovering you. And because you went to high school there and, um, I, I think Sheldon high school used one of my songs for my last record as a senior song like a year ago. And for some reason it means so much more to me in your hometown than if you, if, I don't know, it just is really special. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that, I think there, yeah, there's definitely that, that pride that they have. Uh, and, and then they, then the, you know, and the kids can be so jaded. So if they, if they're into you, they're like that, I think that is a big Testament. Yeah, man. It's just, it's like, if my niece, like my, have a niece now says Sheldon and if she's into it, then I've definitely won. Like that's like a big accomplishment. She's into it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, then you also on the, on the, on the tour, you're playing one of my favorite places and you're adopted uh, hometown now of Nashville at the mother church, the Ryman. Uh, when you, when you play a, 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 and you're, you're playing a lot of different places like that, but the Ryman is, has a special, you know, history there. Do you, does the history kind of hit you when you're yeah. on stage there? Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to because the Ryman was the home of, like, the Grand Ole Opry. So every room you walk around and there's, like, pictures of icons in those rooms. So you're, like, sitting in a room and there'll be a picture on the wall of Johnny Cash talking to Bob Dylan, you know, and Merle Haggard. And, like, you just, it's like, wow, okay, they were hanging out right here. Um, So, yeah, it is very moving. And I also used to work at the Starbucks I keep mentioning was a block from the Ryman. So, you know, I, I would sit there dreaming of playing there and we played it for the first time on my last tour. And I remember we were just doing a little interview about it and I was just talking about it with these like people. And I didn't realize how emotional it was. I like started, I like kind of was like broke down out of gratitude in the middle of this interview. And these people were like, what's happening? Like, Man, I used to work at Starbucks. You know, I never thought I'd play here. You know, like trying to hold it together. And it was yeah, it meant a lot to me. It kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, no, I think that's that, that's really awesome. And I've heard I've heard like athletes that have worked at you know like a stadium, you know, as as a vendor or something like that, and then all of a sudden they're you know the star of the team. And so yeah, absolutely. I think that's a that's a really cool thing. So okay, so we can expect um, uh, some music throughout this tour that you said it'll, it'll just be you know randomly released at times. Yeah, we've got new songs set to drop soon. Um, I'm not good at dates, but they're coming soon. <laughs> they're coming soon. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. We'll have a link to you. I don't, I don't even know what month it is. I'm terrible <laughs> with like dates, but I think, yeah, we've got a song coming out in, in the next couple of weeks. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'll check it out. We'll definitely have links to your website and, and everywhere else we can get, uh, you know, Matt Carney music and stuff. So before we let you go and get back to rehearsal there, um, last question we ha- I have for you is what's, what's on your playlist these days? Who, who are you listening to these days? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm like, it's so funny when I started, I remember Rolling Stone like trashed my first record because it was like blending hip hop and like singer songwriter stuff. They're like, what is this? You can't do that. Um, and I, it's just so inspiring, like bands that have like taken that concept and really ran with it, you know, like the John Bellions or the like 21 pilots or those kind of things. But, um, but there's like, yeah, I've been listening to this artist named Chelsea Cutler. She's really awesome. She's like, like it's like the singer songwriter meets like beats thing. That's really cool. Um, another girl named Sasha Sloan is really cool. That is a great writer. And um, yeah, those are kind of the two that I've been. This kind of Quinn X C. I don't even know how to like <laughs> X eleven. I don't know. It's like a bunch. Yeah, of oh, yeah. He's yeah. like. 
XC, I don't know what is it, but he's he he's been really inspiring. So I don't know. I'm I'm always someone that really loves what's new, and I've always been someone that keeps up with like whatever the newest stuff is, just because it's inspiring to me to like hear what someone that's starting out that has no concept of rules or boundaries is just doing, you know, just for the love of it. And you know, I think that's the place where, you know, the longer you do it, sometimes it's harder to return to those places because music becomes more than just you in your bedroom. It's a live show. It's how you pay your bills. It's putting shoes on your daughter's feet, but always the, the most pure and the best music I come up with is the stuff that comes out of that place. Is I'm in my underwear in my bedroom, just trying to inspire myself and, and yeah, that's, that's the goal. So I think the moral of this episode is to sometimes throw off your Starbucks wardrobe and go out there and take a risk, do something that you want to do, because we've only got one shot at this life. So why not go for it occasionally, right? What's the worst that can happen? As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Shauna Game. You can check out Jeff on Instagram at The Traveling Game. We'll have all the links in the show notes to check out all of the goodies that Matt talked about. And hey, do me a favor. If you like this podcast, share it with your friends, shout it out on social media, and head on over to the link in the show notes to leave us a five-star review. Better than I used to be. 